Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Flea Flicker. I'm your host, John Murray, and I want to welcome you back to my podcast. And for those who are listening to me for the very first time, I want to say thank you for doing so. And I hope you continue to come on back. And I've always said before, on most of my podcast, please invite your family, your friends, your loved ones. Listen to the podcast. I love to hear. I love to hear you know, your voice and your opinion on what subjects that I should bring up, what I should talk about on the podcast. Uh, like I said, I'm on Facebook and I'm on Twitter. I'm not like Instagram or Pinterest or all these other pot, all these other media websites. I am basically on those two. If you got any questions, please feel free to reach out to me. Um, I'm on Anchor. I'm on Spotify. I believe you can get up with me in some way, shape, or form over there, and you want to ask a question, then I will do my best to answer that question. And for those viewers who have been me from day one, I want to thank you for doing so, and I hope you continue to come on back, come on back. Before we jump into things, I want to issue, I want to issue a thank you to Amazon Music. They had just got in contact with me just yesterday. Uh, I finally get around to reading read the email, and now... They have got me on their, I guess you could say website, but on their podcasting, so viewers can listen to me over on Amazon Music. And I want to say thank them for reaching out to me. Uh, like I said, I'm on like four, four different sites now where people reach out to me and want me, you know, for me to lend my voice to their podcast. And I want to say thank you for doing so. This is the fourth. Like I said, fourth podcast company that has reached out to me and wanted to come, you know, come aboard and put my voice over there, you know, on their sites. And I want to thank them for, for doing so. Uh, let's not get around the bush any, any further. Let's jump into things. And Renee likes to not be around the bush too much. We will start off, I'll first start off by, we'll start off by the latest buzz, and that's from. Washington, and I guess finally once and for all, it seems like Washington got something right, but there is some good news in Washington. Terry McLean has signed a new contract, well not a new contract, but extended his contract three years, 70 plus million, he'll get paid 20 plus million per season as it has broken down. Now Terry McLean, since being drafted third round, Washington three futures go from the Ohio State University. I gotta put the in there. I don't want the Ohio State Buckeye fans to say, hey, he didn't put the in there. But Terry has been a consistent offensive weapon for for Washington. And it doesn't matter who you put who who is the quarterback on that team, and Terry bringing through quite a few quarterbacks. In fact, with all the new forward one Carson wins this season. I don't doubt Terry will Daryl probably still lead the team in receiving yardage. I'm sure he'll he'll probably still be the team in that can those categories. Because Terry is a man that really deserved the money. Again, it didn't matter who threw the ball to Terry, he seemed to get the job done. He seemed to be a consistent weapon. And he's been that way since Washington drafted. So finally, you know, Washington got it right for once. For all the bad publicity they've had the past couple of years with uh, Daniel Shine sexual harassment and now with Danny Shaw keeping money was keeping revenue away from um, 
the Byzantines, Byzantines, so much is going on, so much is going on with uh, Washington, that at least there is some good news for Washington fans, that they did something right, and they did resign, or did get Terry McLean a new contract, and we all know this offseason has been the receiver, the receiving um, of getting their money. You got AJ Brown, Terry McLean's got his money. I'm sure there's others that hopefully be guests coming here very soon. I mean, DK Metcalf has got, he wants money. I know Cooper Cup just got re upped. He got him a nice little deal. Adebo is one see he wants a new contract himself. So it's been, it's been a big all season for receivers getting their, their money. You know, we all know about. Tyreek Hill, he got his money. Uh, Devontae Adams got traded. He got his money from the Ravers, as well, like I said, as Tyreek Hill got his money. But Terry McLean certainly deserves deserves it. The one thing I can say about Terry is, and I can respect any receiver in football, if you go through and see other big quarterbacks, and you seem to have a report with each and every one of them, that should, that hey, that shows me not the quarterback, but it shows me maybe more of the receiver and what he's capable of doing. And I can only receiver can step in anywhere and snap his finger just perfectly, just get along with that with that player, with that quarterback. And that's that's really showing me something. I know there was several episodes ago. I brought up a guy by the name of Josh Reynolds. Josh Reynolds is now playing for Detroit for Detroit Lions. But the thing I liked about Josh was when he was with Texas A&M, I think he went through what three quarterbacks in a four-year span, and he, you know, he seemed to rapport with each and every one of them. This is the thing I like about Terry McClain. This is for my fantasy, for my fantasy fans out there. This is the thing I like. I like that you watch out for. I know if a receiver goes to a new team, he's going to have a, you know, develop rapport. But with Terry McLean, this is a whole new story. Carson Wentz, yes, I mean he's a new quarterback. But but through Terry McLean's three-year career in the NFL, it doesn't matter who you put a quarterback. You could resurrect Sammy Ball from the dead, and I think he would still find a way to communicate with uh, Terry McLean. It doesn't really matter. Terry knows Terry has the trust of any quarterback, and I'm sure once him and Carson get together. Carson will have the trust in Terry McLean. And there's no doubt McLean will probably, he will more likely lead, lead the team in receiving. There's no denying that. I know drafted Dotson from Penn State. He's, I'm sure he's going to give a strong look at maybe the number two spot. Don't know if he'll win the, that spot as the number two man. Obviously, Terry McLean. Yes, I mean, Curtis Samuel's there. Curtis has been hurt off and on throughout his career. And the one, the one year he was somewhat healthy, he did produce. But can't stay healthy is the biggest thing with Curtis. I believe Adam Humphreys, I believe he is still on the roster. I could be wrong on that. I believe he is still there. But, you know, Logan Thomas is back. Logan is an underrated, an underrated weapon for Washington. Now you've got Antonio Gibson. Gibson can catch fast out of the backfield. J.D. McKissick is back, and I'm interested to see what they'll do with Bruce Robinson for Washington. 
Man, reports are coming out. Reports are coming out that Carlson is looking is looking good in camp. I mean, that's great. But can Carlson parallel that into the season? And that's going to be the biggest issue for Carlson fans. Can he? Yeah, can he up his game? Can he continue to play well enough and take that into this into the regular season and produce? It's great that you look good in camp, but the bottom line is, can you produce during the regular season? I mean, and here the last couple of years, Carlson has not done that. There was a point in time where Carlson was considered a few years ago an MVP candidate until he got hurt. And, of course, Nick Foles took over. And, of course, the rest is history, as you all know. Shout out to Tim Snyder. Nick Foles takes over. They win the Super Bowl. And, of course, Nick Foles has reunited with Frank Reich. And now he is with the Colts, and he'll be back in it. One Matt Ryan, but the thing is, I've always, always liked the receiver. I can get a good line with any quarterback. It seems to have a, a nice little niche with that quarterback, and to me, that is a that's a huge thing for me. And if you're a fantasy owner, that's a good thing for you, and I have no doubt. So, if you still want that, and if you feel that you need to take care of anything now, don't do so. Don't drop him, you know. How many spots you want to drop on the board? Don't do so. Keep Terry Wiggins out because if to me Terry will be the one that Carlson wins, and he's still going to be the number one weapon as far as receivers go for Washington. Washington, there's no doubt in my mind. So draft Terry, draft him with confidence. Even though Carlson, I think Carlson is going to scare you. The top Taylor Heineke has has had his ups and downs with Washington. He's going to be backup. The interesting name would be Sam Howell. For Washington, he is probably going to be the third string quarterback. But I'm interested to see what a guy like Sam Howell can do. And I'm sure Sam will get a lot of preseason work in. And of course, you know how the starters are. They're going to get a lot of work in. But I'm interested to see Carlson Wentz play a couple of preseason games. Granted, there's only three preseason games now, not four anymore. But I'm interested to see if how much they will play Carlson Wentz, how much they will play. Terry McClain to see if there there is any communication, if there's any, if there's going to be that hookup, if there's any miscommunications or whatever. But I'm sure the two of them will get that straightened out in camp. But I'm interested to see if they play in preseason. I'm going to say it's probably 80 20, let's say. 80% they probably won't play. Maybe 20% is a possibility. But you know, preseason is all for guys that are draft picks or guys that are on the bubble looking. And try to stick with the team. Most NFL teams know who their players are, who they're going to rely on throughout the season, who their valuable backups are going to be. But most preseason, most teams are like, okay, can this guy, yeah, this guy's a good player, but can I put him on the special team? This guy's a good player, but can I can stash him on my practice roll. And sometimes that's what preseason's about. I mean, we all know Carson Wentz is going to be the starting quarterback. We all know Terry McClain's going to be the one receiver. We all know who the top two running backs are as of right now, Antoine Gibson and J.D. Kissick. We all know that. But it all depends on Russ. But for me, Terry McClain, I'm glad Terry got his money. It's it's well-deserved. It's well-earned. I don't have a problem. I have no problem at all that Terry will continue to continue success. It doesn't matter to me if Carson Wentz, Kyle Heineke could be the quarterback, or even Sam Howard Schaffner, 
and into the next trial, which I don't think that's going to happen. But you know, in this in this day and age in the football world, injuries happen, and I've seen before where it's how two quarterbacks get hurt in the third string before the play. That's happened. I mean, it's happened. I mean, the Cleveland Browns went through quite a few quarterbacks last year because of because of injuries. The Baltimore Ravens they had injuries last year at some at, at quarterback spot as well, but they managed. And the biggest thing is, Terry McLean, I congrats Terry. I certainly, I certainly believe he is. He'll be money well spent, and it's well earned for Terry. He's been the best, one of the best receivers in the league since he got drafted. Sometimes he goes unnoticed, but through Washington's bias, he didn't go unnoticed. And I'm sure some fans out there knew who Terry McLean was. But now, Terry's got the bigger bullseye on him because of his of a bigger contract. And that is what happens when you are a top-notch receiver. You go through a lot more people that are really noticing. And you're getting paid 20 plus million a year at, at, at the receiving spot. You're going to get noticed quick and you're going to get noticed fast. But I'm sure people this way, like I said, they know who Terry McLean is. And for Terry, once again, congratulations. It is well earned. And I'm sure, I'm sure, sir, you will continue to do what the Washington fans expect you to do, and that's being the number one receiver and continue to put the solid, solid numbers that you do. Now, for a second, let's jump from the NFC to the AFC for for a few seconds, if if, if I may. There's word word that uh, the New England Patriots brass and some of the receivers and the tight end have been very impressed with Matt Jones this past season. Mac Jones has taken things has uh, taken things seriously. Uh, I think when he said he came to camp last year, most of last year, what the, what's the? I think he what was the one report I heard? He died. He was uh, eating a lot of macaroni and cheese or something like that. He was maybe had a little carrying extra weight. Well, now you know Mac Jones has gotten serious. He's lost some weight. He's uh, muscled up a little bit, from what I understand, and. His teammates are loving it. He is taking more command, more command of the play in camp. And the, the receivers notice it, the tight ends notice it, and the coaching staff notices it. Mac Jones, Mac Jones had a good career in Alabama. There's no denying that. He had a national championship under his belt. He came in last year's rookie, pressure was put on him. Uh, it was supposed to be Cam Newton, was supposed to be the starting quarterback, or at least we thought he was, but. Unfortunately, Mac surpassed Cam and he got the job. And Mac, sure, Mac had some loss, he had some bands. Now, he did beat, of course, the Patriots beat the Buffalo Bulls and won the division. I know, and of course, you know, Mac threw like one or two passes in that whole game and they ran the ball pretty much down Buffalo's throat. Now, of course, Buffalo got him back in the second inning. But Mac, but Mac played well enough. Now, I kind of find it funny. People were drawing comparisons at one point in time last year to one Tom Brady. They're comparing his rookie numbers and everything similar. But let's be honest with you, and I said before and I'll say it again, until he wins about seven Super Bowls, yeah, then you can then you compare him to Tom Brady all you want. Mac Jones, he's taking it seriously. And it's 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 hard in New England when you had a guy like Tom Brady for twenty he can't for like about twenty years. And he did all that for you. 
whoever steps into that court, in the court of our shoes, that's going to be a hard thing to fill. I mean, go back to the New England Patriots history of quarterbacks. They had one time a gentleman named Steve Grogan. If, if any of my fans don't know who Steve Grogan is, he was a quarterback for many, many years for the New England Patriots. He was a solid quarterback. Didn't have a lot but he played a lot of maybe not so great New England Patriot teams. And there was a guy that got drafted the same year, got drafted before, one Dan Marino. If anybody knows who Tony Easton was, Tony Easton, they were, he, he, he was kind of so-so. He did get him, he did get the Patriots to a Super Bowl. I give him his just due on that. But he has the months and the downs. He had injuries. And then along goes a long gap and along came one Drew Bledsoe. And Drew Bledsoe was a solid quarterback for the Patriots for many years until he got hurt. And then Tom Brady took his spot, and that was the rest of his history there. Ron played for Buffalo. Played well for Buffalo. And then towards his career, he playing for the Dallas Cowboys. But it's hard to feel a guy like Tom Brady's shoes when whether I don't know if Mac Jones wanted to build those expectations, but he's but it seems like he's doing the, the Tom Brady like thing where he's taking it serious to the point where he's restructuring his diet. I don't think I don't think he's going to eat no avocado ice cream. I don't think Mac Jones is going to do that. And if he does, he does, but I don't think he's going quite that far. And Bill Belichick, I'm sure Bill Vick. Bill Belichick is going to expect a lot out of out of his young quarterback who's going to his second year. And hopefully, Emmanuel fans don't want the so-called sophomore jinx. Uh, some quarterbacks, uh, Joe Burrow is one guy that seemed to avoid the sophomore jinx. Uh, he might have more of the freshman jinx with the injury than he did the sophomore jinx. But if that's like, if that's really such a thing. But Mac Jones. Um, Certainly, he's going to have the world on his shoulders. Now, knowing Bill Belichick, he'll go through the he'll rely on the running game. And last year, the running game was not a bad thing. Damian Harris stepped his game up last year, and he did very well. Stevenson from Oklahoma, he had some moments last year, but there's potential. So right now, Damian Harris and Stevenson will probably be the one-two punch. In this coming this coming season, and it should be a pretty decent one-two punch. But knowing Tom Belichick, that's where he's going to take his running his, his running game. Uh, I believe James White returns back into his old role, and that will be a nice little safety valve for Mac Jones. Now the wide receivers, yes, they got Devontae Parker, Kendrick Bourne is back, Nelson Aguilar is still there as well. Hunter Henry's tight end, Johanna Smith, who they got from Tennessee last offseason. Now it's not a it's not a grand cast of receivers. It's not Randy Moss, Chris Carter, Bays. It's not that, but it's it's a receiving core that got by last year and played well and played well when he needed to at certain points in the season. But with Belichick, I'm sure the running game is going to be a big thing, but. If there are good signs in New England that a guy like Mac Jones and his teammates are running behind him, his offensive line likes him, these guys are running to go to the back of him. That's always a good thing. And it seems like Mac Jones is taking things seriously. He's in the front room, extra, you know, extra hard to fill with, extra hard in the front room. He's even gotten serious, lost weight, bulked up. He got him, I believe he might have a supplement, you know, a 
just you know physical fitness guy that's out there in Miami probably maybe he has a chef coming in and that's kind of the thing now they used to ask these that they'll hire a personal chef to you know to cook their foods and make sure they are you know on track to eating better but it's good to, it's good to see it's good to hear that the New England Patriots they seem to have maybe have found and found the Tom Brady replacement now I don't think he's gonna play like Tom Brady Division, your division stuff for sure. Buffalo is still the team to beat in that division. You got Josh Allen, Josh Allen and company. I think they had they had a they had a decent draft. I like uh, I like James Cook coming from the University of Georgia. I think he'll be a nice little weapon. But I would be shocked if James Cook ends up being a starting running back at some point this season. Devin Singletary is still going to start, and Zach Moss is still on the roster. They now got Duke Johnson to be a possible third down back. And Brown, you know, Jameson Crowder replaced Cole Beasley. It's a nice replacement. A lot more to do on Gabriel, Gabriel Davis's plate this year. And the defense, the defense played well last year. But we'll see, you know, again, Miami, Miami with, with inquiring Tyreek Hill. They've added some new running backs. They've added some, some offensive linemen. Miami is better, will be better this year. It all depends, too, of the biggest key to that whole ingredient. Can Peter step his game up? Because you've got two very good starting receivers, a good tight end. You've got, well, it seems like about five or six quality running backs on that team. And each and every one of them that had a chance to even start. But now the thing is, Mac Jones. I don't know if Mac Jones by himself can get past Buffalo or get past Miami. The Jets, I don't doubt it. But right now, New England's probably the third best team in that division right now. And that's kind of hard. That's a hard thing to say, really. You know, I know she is good as always, but I'll bring anything this year. But this year, but for once in time, New England, well, they were one of the really favorites last year. Miami was, you know, was, Buffalo was the favorites last year. Some people have been maybe finishing second in the division. Some people actually rank third. But this year, as of right now, unless my mind changes, and of course, later on as, the, as camp follows and as preseason gets underway, we will we'll talk certainly more about that as time goes on as predictions. But for right now, but for right now, let's be honest with you, New England's maybe probably the third best team in the division. And Mac Jones continues to improve. I'm interested to see what Mac can do in his sophomore year. Like I said, coaching staff, coaching staff loves him. You know, his teammates loves him, love him. The fans they seem to get behind Mac Jones. But I have to wonder with the who is the offensive coordinator? That's been a big question. And that's something I touched up on the uh, one of my one of the episodes I talked about who's gonna be the who's gonna be the offensive coordinator. And from Bill Belichick, check check one because as of right now, the offensive, they can't find an offensive coordinator, can't decide on one. That could be a huge, a huge factor in what Mac Jones is capable of doing this season. Because to be honest with you, you've got a good young quarterback in Mac Jones, but you don't have to call him to play that hurt. That's going to hurt his progress in this year. Now, 
was a point in time where Bill Belichick and company could draft, could draft a team. I mean, you got Tom Brady six one, Bob Gronkowski. Even going down, even going down the list and list of players that New England took were successful in this league that had looked like all Hall of Fame careers. But Robert Kraft has come out and made a very good argument the last few years. New England does not have the best drafts in the world, and that's not saying to Robert Kraft. And some people have to wonder: Is Bill Belichick on the hot seat? In some ways, I don't know if he's on the hot seat or not after Bill Belichick. I have to wonder how much longer Belichick's still in New York, how much longer Belichick will be the coach. That's a, that's a, that's also a big factor as well. But for right now, Matt James, the team loves him. His fans love him. The fans love him. The coaching staff loves him. I think one of the main fans of Matt James really, at least for this year, is certainly who's going to call the offensive plays. That's going to be the biggest issue with New England. But it's good to hear that the teammates are behind behind this young man and he's taking it seriously. Some young quarterbacks, they don't get it. They don't understand it. But certainly it seems like Matt James, he gets it and he understands it. Now, just read an article, I believe it was, it might have been, I believe it was yesterday that it came out, not today, I think I read the article today, but I believe this article came out yesterday, and um, Melvin Gordon, who re-signed with Denver on a one-year contract, and I think he did have an offer from the Baltimore Ravens, if I'm not mistaken, but I believe he went back to Denver, and Melvin Gordon came out and said he believes that the Denver Broncos could have one of the most potent offenses in the league this year. Now, I'm not saying that Melvin was a um, Melvin, of course, played you know for several years with the Chargers, and he played well for the Chargers. But of course, the Chargers down paid him the, the money. He went to Denver. Now, Melvin actually had only had a pretty good year last year, 907 yards, led the team in rushing touchdowns. And he played, he played well. Him and Javante Williams did a pretty good job last year. And the one-two punch has returned and will make things better. Now, Melvin, I think Melvin did say something, did say something that does make a lot of sense. And, and I'll agree with Melvin Gordon on this. I wouldn't sleep on the passing game. Yeah, the passing game will improve because of one Russell Wilson, and it should without a doubt. But I'll agree with Melvin Gordon is don't sleep on the running game. Because I can see Melvin Gordon Javante Williams doing similar what they did last year. Now, Melvin, I don't know if Melvin Gordon Javante Williams, could they be another Nick Chubb and Kadeem Hunt? I mean, whether you make that comparison or not, you could, to me, I'd like to make that comparison between those two. I wouldn't sleep on the running game. Denver should have a pretty good running game this year. But for Melvin, you know, and Melvin Gordon is right. It should be better just because you got Russell Wilson. Again, this is a situation where it seems like it's not. I have seen Twitter feed or I have seen where I think Russell Wilson was hitting uh, Cortland Sutton on, on a long pass. Uh, the long ball should certainly improve in um, Denver. Russell Wilson is a very good long ball passer. He's got solid numbers doing such, and that, that part of the game should improve for Denver. 
Kerana Rasa Rasul Kemudian Kita juga Sebab Fokus On Rasa Rasul And Gordon Sutton Jerry Judy You know KJ Hamler Holton Could be back this year And Tim Patrick You have Four You know Four side Receivers That you could get That you could certainly Put out there And they could play And they could do Wonders for the offense and there's no doubt the offense will be better. And I know there have been, you know, there's articles that say, well, who will, who will have the best offense this year? Denver's been out there. Buffalo's got mentioned. Uh, the Rams certainly have got mentioned. Uh, the Bengals have got mentioned. And certainly Denver. There's a lot of teams that have got mentioned as far as top 10. Now, it's hard for me to sit here. I think who's going to be the the best. I believe will be the best offense this year. Um, some people are looking at the Philadelphia Eagles as a possibility. Since you know Randy won AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, the running game that was ranked number one in the NFL last year, and the improvement of maybe Jalen Hurts, that offense could take off even more. So everybody, everybody makes an argument as who could be the best offense in the league. And for me, I'm like you, it's it's, it's hard for me to sit here and tell you who I think the best offense really is. I mean, one of the components is the components of all the offenses in this league is one, you got to have a solid quarterback. Number two, you got to have a running game. I know here in the NFL, running games seem that something here in the last couple of years become a little more obsolete, but a running game is so important. You can pass it all over the place, but eventually you've got to run the football at some point in time. And of course, you got to have a good set of receivers. And if you have a quality tight end, that makes it even better. You try to look at the comparisons. Does Denver have, have that? Have that? Yes, Denver has that ingredient. Now, I know I know a fan who's gone off to Seattle, but they've got four decent receivers they can throw out there, and that can navigate the tight end spot. Or... Denver. But if you look at you know, look at Cincinnati, they got Joe Mixon who finally stayed healthy last year, came in his own, and had the best year of his career. I get it, Chase. You've got Higgins, you got Tyler Boyd, and Hayden Hurst to me is a solid replacement and a solid replacement at tight end. So Cincinnati, yes, you can make Cincinnati the case. You want to make the Rams, you got a veteran like Matthew Strapper. Cooper Cup is back. Allen Robinson is a nice replacement for Robert Robert Woods. And I think Rock Allen should return to his old form that he did when he was with Chicago the last couple of years before he got hurt this past season. Tyler Higby, Tyler Higby at times kind of is is under is an underrated tight end. I believe he came off an injury during the Super Bowl week during the Super Bowl week. Uh, hopefully he'll be back. Cam Akers, I'm interested to see what Cam Akers could do coming back from the uh, ACL injury that he had. And you still got Daryl Henderson. Van Jefferson is, is another free receiver. I believe he's on the upswing, and it'll be very interesting to see if how he continues to develop. develop. You want to talk about the Buffalo Bills? Yes, Josh Allen. Some people have Josh Allen from my fantasy football books out there. Someday he might be the number one the number one quarterback in fantasy drafts this year. In the running game, 
I'm not completely sold on the running game. That was a huge issue last year, and it could be an issue this year. You've got Stephon Diggs. I'm interested in Gabriel Davis continuing. Jameson Crowell, I think, is a, is, is a nice little is a nice little pickup for him. He had been bitten by the ankle bug the last couple of seasons. I want to see what Jameson can do. Jameson can certainly play the Cole Beasley role and play it very well. They've got two tight ends, Dawson Knox, who improved last year. Dawson is a good tight end back at college, but of course, when you have A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf on that same team, you're not going to get that much, that many targets. But Dawson Knox, I like him. They, they play out O.J. Howard from Tampa Bay. And some said, what about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Yes, Tom Brady has. Tom Brady is back. Leonard Fournette, who has played, who has played extremely well since Tampa Bay has acquired his services. You've got Mike Evans. But the thing is, Chris Godwin is hurt. You don't know when he's coming back. Russell Cage is a very interesting placement for him. And Grand Cameron Brake. Well, Cameron Brake might not be the, might not be Bob Gronkowski, but. He's good. He's a decent enough replacement. But maybe Tampa Bay might not. Some say, what about the Green Bay Packers? Aaron Rodgers is a two-time MVP. I love Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. But you don't have, there is no more Devontae Adams. That becomes a huge issue. I can't put Green Bay in my top ten. Some people may put Philadelphia in there. It's hard, but certainly Melvin Gordon is. Now I agree with Melvin Gordon. Don't sleep on the run game. Because Melvin Gordon, Javante Adams, certainly they could be the AJ, they could be an AJ Dillon, an Aaron Jones, they could be the Kareem Hunt too, Kareem Hunt or Nick Chubb. They have the capability of being that type of duo in you know in the in the backfield. And nowadays, and nowadays you want to have a good one two punch. A lot of teams you don't a lot of times you don't rely on just one running back. Now, Grant, Texans, they might be a Tennessee type, might be different still. And you got Derrick Henry. Jonathan Taylor could be an interesting story because the Colts rely more on him. They do have, you know, other you know, other running backs, but Jonathan Taylor's been the man to lead the way for the Colts this season. It's hard. It's hard, but Melvin Gordon has a point. What yeah, I, I would put Denver maybe in the top ten. Since this coming season, and on Melvin Gordon, don't sleep on the running game, because yeah, I can see Melvin Gordon getting 900 yards. Can I? I can see Javante Williams getting 8 900 yards. I can see both of them getting a decent amount of touchdowns. Both of them can catch passes out of backfield, which would give Russell Wilson more ammunition. A lot of people have Russell Wilson going to top five or six fantasy quarterback this year. I guarantee it. I haven't looked at a lot of people's. Cheat sheets or spreadsheets, if you want to say, to see where Russell Wilson ranked. I know some somebody has Josh Allen one, and Patrick Mahomes is number two on the list. I've seen that in somebody's you know spreadsheet. But I know Melvin Gordon's right about one thing: Denver's going to have a good offense this year. Certainly, all depends if Russell Wilson stays healthy. That's going to be the biggest thing. Courtland Sutton, he'll be healthy this year. Hopefully, Jerry Judy comes back and lives up to the expectations that he was set for him when he came out of Alabama. 
Tim Patrick is going to go to underway with Flair for the Broncos. KJ Hamlin's coming back from an uh, injury. We'll see if he can step right back into that number four receiver and play well. There's a lot of weapons in Denver, a lot of potential, a lot of noise coming out of Denver because they have a solid, solid offense and a good football team this year. But then again, I can look up look in their own division, what about the Chargers? Big running on quarterback from Justin Herbert. Paul Snickle, you know, Austin Eichler. A lot of people seem to keep an eye on one Isaac Spiller, a man they drafted out of Texas A&M. Keep an eye on him. As a possible potential, as a potential super pick for Billy Down. Maybe if Austin Eckler was to get hurt, and Keenan Allen's one of the best receivers in the league. Mike Williams, when he's healthy, can't produce. The tight end, that's a, that's a hard spot to win. Kansas City, I get it. There is no Tyreek Hill, but it wasn't on, it wasn't on Tyreek Hill. It was all catching time and running and running. I know the Raiders, like Alex Razor and Keith, Derek Carter, Josh Jacobs, sometimes Josh Jacobs gets overlooked and forgotten. But he's a solid running back. He's had some injuries the last couple of years, but he's a solid running back. I get it. You got Devontae Adams. Hunter Renfro caught a ball with last year. Darren Waller, one of the best tight ends in the league, had some injuries last year. I mean, heck, you look at your own division, you can come up with a couple of guys that you can, a couple of things that are about them. But I get Devontae Adams. I get the noise. I get the buzz. Denver's going to be a very interesting team this year. But there's a lot of solid teams in the AFC. Buffalo, maybe Miami can knock on door playoffs. I still wouldn't count New England out, but I get it. The Ravens, the Ravens will bounce back. Even the Bengals have a chance to get back in the playoffs. I wouldn't really count the Steelers out if they can figure out the quarterback situation. I wouldn't, of course, Tennessee and, and Colts. I get it. And anybody in the AFC West has got a shot. The AFC West should be a very Good confidence this year. The AFC, I think, will be more exciting to watch than the NFC this year. But I get it. I get it from Melvin Gordon's perspective. Don't sleep on the running game in Denver. I agree with you 100%. Don't sleep on it. But then again, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, there's a lot of offenses, a lot of top-notch offenses this year. Denver does have a pretty decent defense. Chargers, they made some good on defenses. I'm still not hurt. I'm not sold on Kansas City. The Raiders, the Raiders, I'm not really sold on the Raiders either. So it may come down to Denver, may really have the best defense in that division. And you can certainly, if you want to make that statement, then I can concur with you. You got a good argument, solid argument. But now, whether I think believe Denver's going to win the division, I don't know. Some people might pick Denver to win the division because, because of one Russell Wilson. But if you look at it, Russell is certainly a key factor. But Denver may have the best defense in that division. And that could be a deciding factor. But I'm like Marvin Gordon. Melvin, I'm with you, big man. I'm not sleeping on the running game at all whatsoever. I know what you and old Javante Williams can do. And for fantasy owners, that's what they call a handcuff. Melvin is a, Melvin's a bruiser. Melton Melvin can still throw the ball 15, 20 times a game he needs to. Javante Adams, 
Javante could probably run the ball, maybe carry the ball maybe 10, 11 times a game, maybe. But he can catch pass out of the backfield. That's going to be his bread and butter because what's going to make him even more dangerous weapon than maybe Melvin Gordon if you're talking about fantasy. But you got to remember, Melvin Gordon's a pretty good receiver too. But I'm interested to see what they'll do with that one-two punch, the hand, the handcuffing. I know a lot of people say, well, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, there's no handcuff. Well, to me, I'd still Aaron Jones is still the top name for me as far as I'm concerned. Because for fantasy only fans, for the last two years, as far as touchdowns, for the last three years, the top two guys in touchdowns are what? Derrick Henry and Aaron Jones. Just keep that in mind. But for Melvin Gordon, I'm with you 100% on this one. Melvin is a... Yeah, I'm with Melvin. It's going to be an interesting offense for Denver this year. And yeah, Russell Wilson's a big factor, without a doubt. But for Denver fans, you better hope Russell Wilson don't go down because it will get very interesting in the offense because right down the drain. But Russell usually keeps himself pretty healthy. Last year, he did get banged up and dinged up. But like Russell, he does the best he can to keep himself in tip-top shape in the offseason. He has his, you know, but we'll see. But I don't slowly sleep on the running game. And no, I'm not going to sleep on Denver's offense. Not at all. Let's jump into another subject. I guess the biggest thing right here has been Deshaun Watson. You know, we all know about Deshaun Watson. I'm not going to the bigger bigger details of what, you know, Deshaun Watson could very well. He just got through serving. He's got through talking to representatives and they're taking a few days. Billy decided the NFL wants to suspend him for a year and I got a feeling that's probably where this is going to go. I've heard this rumor for probably the last few weeks now. Um, the biggest thing about the biggest thing about this whole situation, I will agree with people, is the situation does not really look good for Deshaun in regard that I believe one of the defendants in this case they are now after the Houston Texans because they have uh, courted them that. They pretty much knew of the situation that was going on with Deshaun Watson, but they pretty much pretty much um, put it water under the bridge, so to speak, and they just didn't side. They just didn't feel it was necessary to uh, you know to tell the NFL or you know tell somebody in the organization or have that discipline Deshaun Watson. And I think one of the defendants in this civil case has um, brought that out. The attention, you know, I think I've touched up and touched up on this. For Houston, is you know, again, who is it? I wish Russia innocent until proven guilty. That's what the, that's what the justice system always always has been. But for the, for the Texans, and it doesn't look good if Deshaun with that many massage there. Yeah, yeah, massages. Yeah, it, it, it's a ridiculous amount of number. I'm not gonna try to. Found the number, and and it was one. There was you know one talk show. I think it was one sports talk show that I listed, and he said some some guys might use might not have that much. Might use maybe ten at the latest. And he and he says himself. He said yes. He said I I had like massage therapists myself. He said but I never went as far as the way Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson was going on. 
what was he on the Instagram or some site to try to find a you know you know find a therapist or something or something along those lines and now to me the Sean's already you know, to me Sean's already kind of come out and already said that some of this yeah that basically yeah that he did sleep with some of these women and he's kind of come out and said that he says yeah that sex was consensual so basically some of these therapists he actually did sleep with at least if if I'm reading in between the lines I believe if I'm reading between the lines that's what I'm getting that's what I'm getting at now if that is if that is the case then that's a bad sign for Sean all the way around because it's because to me now granted I gotta be honest with you be honest with you I can't say it. I've never had a massage. I've never played any professional sports. Now, granted, I think I played softball for like six or spent six years, and and I played double headers, and I was a catcher. And you know how, and catchers will tell you, as one tough tough job. But in my lifetime, I can never sit back and say that I've had a massage. I've never had no massage, and if I was an athlete and I needed one, I yeah, I wouldn't go ahead and get me. A hundred different women to, yeah, to give me a massage. I can see at some at some point in time if you went from town to town and you had to get maybe you know a different person to give you that massage, that might be a little, that might be a different story. But for me, but for me, if I'm playing for if I'm playing for let's say the Dallas Cowboys, yeah. I would pretty much use the same massage therapist every single time that I'm at home. Now, unless I'm on the road, that's different. And unless, unless for some reason I could bring that same massage therapist on the road with me, and yeah, then that, that's a different story. But if it's me and I was an athlete like Sean Watson and a very good one, yeah, I don't think I'd go ahead and get about a hundred different, you know, hundred different massage therapists to help me out. If it was me, I would have only one. Just one. Now, granted, now, granted, I don't know how that would work out. I mean, and I mean, you can have one massage therapist, and they may have a lot of clients that day that you need a massage, and then maybe they can, they might have to, you know, maybe hand you off to somebody else. Now, I can understand. I can understand if that was the case. I would get that. I would understand that. But the problem is that he used, it seemed like he used, I don't have any massage therapists. Yeah. And you go on Instagram, and you pretty much, yeah, to me, that's not, to me, that doesn't, yeah, that doesn't look good at all. That's not a good sign from Sean Watson. To me, if I needed one, I would go, yeah, I could go to my teammates and say, hey, can you recommend one for me? Or I'd go to my team doctor, hey, can you recommend, you know, one for me? If you went in that direction, I'm cool with that. At least that's how I would have done it. I wouldn't have gone on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or whatever else was out there, you know, to go do that. But the problem is, yeah, but the problem is that Sean choose that many and he had sex with some of these women and he said it was consensual. Now, now, there are some there certainly then there have been some actually that have backed Sean Watson and said he was being a total gentleman, so forth and so forth. And you have said to me that have yeah, have said totally different stuff. 
but to me that's not to me it's not a good sign for Sean. Yeah, it doesn't look good and he's wrestling with so many different therapists who are on sites and I don't know if what he said on these sites, um, and trust me, if he had text messages with some with some of these with some of these clients or some of these massage therapists, that that's yeah, and they're incriminating, that's not gonna be good as well. Now that part I have not heard about any so-called text. I haven't heard about that, but I'm surprised that has not come up in some kind of, you know, some kind of conversation, or that has not been brought brought to somebody's attention. But again, they take a few days to make a decision on this. Um, I think the NFL the NFL wants to get a year a year out of this. And I think the NFL will probably win this one. I think that he will probably get a year. And it'll be bad for Cleveland Brown fans because now you'll have a quarterback that's not played football in two years. And we said, I believe in the last episode, you know, and Baker Mayfield. I don't see Baker really coming back to Cleveland because he wants out. And he wants out. There's pretty much a divorce in Cleveland. He wants to get out the worst way possible. Cleveland's holding the man hostage because simply put, they might need Baker Mayfield. Because Jacoby Brissett, Jacoby is, a, to me, I'm not really sold on Jacoby as a starting quarterback. I think he's a good backup and he's an overall starter. Baker, there was a point in time Baker did actually play well as a starter. He did get, like I said, you have to remember, he did take Cleveland to a playoff. He did actually beat the Pittsburgh Steelers in a playoff game. I mean, so Baker, I mean, Baker does have it, does have it up on his resume. I mean, I don't know if Trevor said he's not had on his resume, but Baker Mayfield does. And that's, that's to me, that's kind of a deciding factor. And the only quarterback on the roster is Joshua Dobbs. And to me, I'd rather have Baker than Joshua Dobbs as, as my backup. But Baker's not going to come back. And I don't blame Baker. I don't blame him. But in the bottom line, is nobody's going to get, nobody's going to get to Cleveland and say, hey, I want, we want him. The problem is, you're not going to get Baker for that. Yeah, you're not going to get for the size of the fee, what, 18 some million dollars for Baker Mayfield. Nobody's going to do that. If any team wants Baker Mayfield, they're going to hold, they're going to wait until Cleveland says, you know what, we're going to, we're going to cut Baker. And if you cut Baker, teams like the Panthers, maybe Seattle, maybe there's another team out there we don't know about that might jump on Baker and say, you know what, let's go jump on him and let's pay him, you know, X amount of money. And that's all the NFL is doing. That's all any team is doing. Everybody's waiting to see Cleveland cut Baker. Because Baker doesn't see any way in the world that he's going to stay on that team. And to be honest with you, I can't see how Baker would. I just don't. I, somebody said there's a possibility Baker could stay on that team because of the Sean Watson case. That he does serve, he does serve your suspension. And yeah, that's. I don't find me totally surprised, but the way Baker has come out, I just don't see him hanging around Cleveland. But then again, I don't know if Cleveland would cut him and, you know, and, and have to go about 18 some million on the cap. And that's going to, you know, and what team, I'm sure that I'm sure there's teams out there that would take Baker if he got cut right away, straight out. But for Sean Watson, uh, 
think I could see a year suspension for Sean. But for Sean, it's not a good look for him. It's not a good look for the Houston Texans organization. And to be honest with you, there's a lot of, it's not, doesn't look good on Cleveland Browns to pay them $203 million, all of it guaranteed. Because it doesn't look good to a lot of women's right groups, if I can say that. It doesn't look good that you don't condone this. You give them $230 million. Well, to be honest with you, anything that went got to Sean Watson, this was, this was, the backlash was going to be this. It didn't matter if Cleveland got it. didn't matter if Carolina Panthers got it. Or if the Miami Dolphins were serious about it. It doesn't really matter. Everybody was, whatever team signed Deshaun Watson, they were going to catch some backlash. Anything that signed Deshaun Watson, they knew that this was going to, was coming. Everybody knew that. But for, for them, for the, but for them, for Houston, the biggest thing would be is this, if Houston knew this all the time, they should have met this in the bud. They should have reported this. They should have put a stop to this once and for all. They didn't do it. And for the, and for the one, I guess one of the defendants in this case, I don't blame them. I would, you know, I would, you know, I would push it to the max. I would certainly get Houston or something. If they, if they knew about this, they condoned this. They didn't say nothing about it. It looks bad on Houston, Texas. And yes, it looks bad on Cleveland for paying all that money, especially Gary Keen money. For Deshaun, Deshaun's reputation took a serious hit. And to be honest with you, the outside world, and he knows for a fact the football world, I never looked at Deshaun Watson the same again. But I got a feeling that he will serve a year suspension. And for, for Cleveland Browns, I cannot say it was money well spent. The last thing we'll talk about is that for my fantasy football fans, we'll, we'll throw this in there. I guess I guess if you subscribe to ESPN or any other, any other words, ESPN, Yahoo, NFL.com, whatever thing you subscribe to, you're, you're already getting you're already getting people that are coming out there and they're putting out their um, drafts and they're they're cheat sheets and all that stuff and they're putting they got people now that are drafting already already experts are already drafting against other experts as to who they would take and everything else and everything else under the sun and their rankings and so forth and so forth right on and on and on now being a man being I've done this for 30 for 34 years I want to give my um, I want to give my uh, fans out there my fantasy football fans a uh a bit, a bit of advice and take this into consideration when you do so. And I know this is kind of a, an odd one, but I'm going to throw it out the way. Rule number one, this is a rule I've always had. Do not always go by everybody else's spreadsheets. If Matthew Berry or some other fantasy football expert out there has a, has a person drafted in this spot, but the guy you think might be better might be four or five spots below what they what they're ranking. Then use your gut. Take that guy that you feel that's four or five spots, and don't let Matthew Bear, any fancy football expert, you know, mess with your mind, so to speak. Because because let me give you some advice. Again, thirty four years doing this. Sometimes your gut 
is the best thing to go on and not and not the fancy expert's mind. And to be honest with you, there's been there's been stories, there's been you know there's been some stories out there, and the best one I've got for you is this: there's a lot of fancy experts many years ago that thought Donovan McNabb, which I had on one of my teams, was a bad play against the Giants, and I never understood I never understood it. Giants had a good defense that year, but I thought Donovan could do something. I thought he could have a good game, but the but the fancy experts kept bashing the pick and bashing it and bashing it. Well, I ended up winning Donovan McNabb, and I was down about 28, 7, 28 points going into a Monday night game against my opponent. When it was all said and done, I won by maybe like three or four points because Donovan McNabb threw for two touchdown passes and he ran for two, and they got me the win. So, basing off that, so. There's been all situations where I based so you based off that, based off this, fans experts are not always right. I know some people like to go like to use them as a guidance or as a you know as a rule of thought or a thumb of thought. Here's the problem. I mean the thing is there's nothing wrong with that. I don't have a problem with that at all. And some fans experts make excellent points. I'm not going to deny that. Again, whether it's Matthew Berry or somebody from Yahoo or whatever. There's about, it seems like a million probably fancy podcasts. There's probably a few shows out there. I get all that. But for my advice to you people is this. If you've got a gut, but if your gut is telling you to pick a certain player, then go for it. Use your gut. Go with your gut. There's nothing wrong with going with your gut. But if you go with your gut, you better have a strong conviction about, about that player. There's nothing wrong with going against the grain. Not at all. I've seen some drafts where some people pick people higher than they should be picked. And I said, well, why did you do that? Well, that guy goes out there and has a blockbuster year. Oh, that's why he did it. And yes, I've had it happen. I said, why did a guy get drafted that high? But he goes out there and he rushes for 1,200 yards, 12 touchdowns. Oh, I guess that's why he did take him. And there's going to be situations like that. Don't get me wrong. But... If you are, but don't, you know, but please, don't hesitate to use your gut. I'm not saying use your gut on every pick, but there may be a pick where you figure you need to use your gut, use it. And trust me, there are going to be guys, there are going to be players in your leagues that are going to reach for players. And you'll sit back and you laugh, go ahead and reach for a player, because I think my guys were better than your guy. And trust me, there's going to be there's going to be a situation like that in any draft. Trust me, every single year people get reached, and there's going to be every single year where a fantasy expert's going to hype up somebody, right? But if you feel that so and so is going to have a good year, you feel this is his year, but you think that fantasy experts are telling you differently, don't you know? Don't you don't have to listen to them all the time? If you got that gut, you got that knee jerk reaction, you want to go get. Go get player Joe Blow because you think he's going to throw for 4,000 yards and throw for maybe 30 touchdown passes. Then go then go get Joe Blow because you never know. Joe Blow could be a guy that's going to lead your team into the playoffs and maybe get you a championship. I'm just saying, take it from the guys doing this long. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's all the time I have for this episode. I want to thank you for joining me and, um, Please take care of yourselves, and I will see you again soon.